Hi, I'm Dr. Lambert. It is my privilege to host this remarkable podcast, Targeted Justice v. Garland, that is bringing both targeted individuals and non-targeted allies together and unites us under an honorable mission to eradicate cancerous targeted program and its extinguish malignant FBI practice of growing this terrorist screen database without any constraints indefinitely. We are learning from the FBI whistleblowers like Steve Friend, who recently testified about this exact issue to the Congressional Commission on the Weaponization of Government, that this unstoppable growth is financially incentivized with FBI operatives receiving $30,000 to $40,000 dollar bonuses for every case added to the database. Your freedom is for sale. This shameless Stasi-inspired program that includes technological, neurological, and psychological torture, defamation, social isolation, brain degradation, vehicular and on-foot stalking, street theater, and more and more and more must be eradicated once and for all. Just think about the facts that only 0.29% of the people in the terror screen database constitute terrorists or suspected terrorists. The rest of the individuals are placed there for other purposes and using secret criteria by the FBI's own admission. Ask yourself, why are we allowing the government to run this abomination of a program? overhauled under the pretense of protecting us from terrorist attacks when this resulted in zero preventive terrorist attacks over the last 20 years. The founders of our exceptional nation were crystal clear that the limited role of the government is to protect our rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, not to take away our constitutional rights without due process. This program is simply un-American. It must end so we can once again regain our foundational principles as one nation under God with liberty and justice for all. If we don't halt this program now, the great American experiment as we know it will be over. So let's see who is this person tirelessly working on ending this program? Who is preparing an explosive legal brief to alert the U.S. Court of Appeals for the first fifth circuits for the fifth circuit of the egregious unconstitutionality of our lost lawsuit that has been dismissed by an unscrupulous judge in Houston? a dismissal that reverberated through our community and undermined everything we stand for as Americans. Who is this person fearlessly fighting for our liberation with the integrity that Mr. Merrick Garland could not even remotely measure up to? This person is Anna Toledo. My hat is off to you, Anna, and welcome to the show. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for that intro. 
I don't think I'm deserving of it, but thank you so much. Thank you. Um, looking forward to sharing what I discovered this week. Sounds great, Anna. Uh, and as far as the special guest today, it's not a guest at all, but yours truly, uh, the host of this podcast. I have some recent events to report, and you will want to hear about them in the second part of the show. So you're probably thinking a lot of what I said in the beginning of this episode is probably exaggeration, or, or as they call it in marketing, puffery. But I meant every word. The gravity of the situation is hard to underestimate. The lawsuit showed everyone who is even superfluously look at the case that the law enforcement agency, first and foremost, the FBI, unilaterally created a separate class of citizens whose rights are not counted or respected. A class of citizens who have been denied the most basic constitutional right to due process and more. With that in mind, Anna, please give us a snapshot of your most recent legal discoveries in this unprecedented uh, lawsuit, targeted justice v. Garland. Anna? Well, uh, thank you. Um, I, you know, part of the wonderful part of being an attorney is that you just have to read and read and learn and continue learning. And in this process, uh, preparing for the appeal brief that is due on the 5th of September. Uh, so I've been reading about first the TSEB cases, and there's only, uh, so far I've only found uh, four cases, four or five cases that mention the data set. And the reason for that is that they started in late 2022 talking about that. And that's to limit to limit the access to the information in the database. Because as many TIs know, uh, they have been generational uh, targeted individuals before the list, the terrorist screening database was created in 2003. So because that consolidated, it, it is my, uh, I've read in some, I've read nine, in some I've read 12, in some cases, uh, 12 different watch lists from different agencies were consolidated into one. So there were targeted individuals before, that's a question that many people ask me, before 2003, before the creation of the Terry Screening Database, there were indeed targeted individuals. And, and, and also coming from, you know, from dating back as, you know, obviously MK Ultra and Cointel Pro. It, my father was a Cointel Pro victim, and now, now that I know, you know, it takes one to know one. Now I realize um, that he was because he was pro independence of of our island of Puerto Rico. He believed in that, and the FBI persecuted seventy four thousand people there for those beliefs. Uh, so. Uh, in, in reading about this, the really great thing that's happening is that there are court of appeals and district courts that uh, have uh, before them currently, presently challenges to the TSDB by people uh, that are in handling code two, okay, that are suspected terrorists. The interesting thing is the language that I am seeing that I hadn't seen before in those cases, which is 
they are innocent people. They have never been accused. They have never been convicted of a crime. And yet they are in handling coach. They are in the selectee list and their passport gets the four S's. And when they travel, it's a nightmare. It, but the reason why they're there is because they're Muslim. And that's discrimination. That's in violation of the First Amendment. Because just because you practice your religion doesn't mean you're a terrorist, right? So uh, I am very hopeful because what I'm reading is particularly uh, the decision in our case was on July 12th and in July 20th, there's a 65 pay decision from a Maryland district court in Maryland, a beautiful decision saying, no, 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 this, you know, pretty much um, uh, doing away with their arguments of the secretiveness and, the, and that it's okay. It's that they don't, you know, these people don't, don't have, uh, are not entitled to any due process. It's a beautiful, I just downloaded it last night. I, I just found it last night. And so um, currently there is in the fifth circuit, there's another case that it's called Kovac versus Ray. And it's also a challenge to the TSDB per se because again, it's people that are uh, a, on the handling code too, but a, a, it's, a, it's a legal challenge on the lack of foundation, of legal foundation for the FBI to be doing, to be a, creating uh, and maintaining this list. Because you know what? Congress has never authorized the terrorist screening database. And it affects the lives of hundreds of thousands, millions of people uh, without the authority. It's, it's a, an undelegated authority by Congress that has major impact on, on all aspects of their lives. It, many of these people talk about how their bank accounts were closed just because they were on the TSDB. Sounds familiar, you know? Um, so, um, it's a good, we are in a historic moment. We are, I think, in, in the perfect moment to come in and say, oh, and by the way, courts, uh, they, also, they not only include alleged suspected terrorists that have never been accused, investigated, or convicted of a crime, but also people that they don't even tell them, they don't even have problems traveling because they're not even, they don't, by the words of Timothy Grove, they don't represent a terrorist threat. That is an open admission by the FBI. And that is something that no court of appeals has had before in any of the cases. So this is gonna be, uh, and it's something that um, in the case, uh, the district court says plaintiff allege. No, no, plaintiffs don't allege. FBI admits that they have innocent people on that list that don't meet the terrorist criteria and are not screened as such. And, and I want to emphasize to all TIs out there to understand and promulgate and, and spread the word that what this case is about is people that don't meet that, it's two prongs, don't meet the terrorist criteria and are not screened as such because that affects all Americans. Today it's us, tomorrow can be you. And, and so, you know, the, the rest comes after because then we will do discovery. Then we will connect the dots. But right now what it is, is that no innocent person, even if you're a Muslim, 
you don't have to be on this list just because you're a Muslim, because that is anti-democratic, that is un-American, okay? So it, it, I, I love reading these cases because I see that um, the moment is ripe, the moment is now to bring down this heinous list that has been used for, as I, in my opinion, human trafficking. That's exactly what, and for the deprivation of property of people without due process or just compensation. Uh, so, you know, I, I see that some courts are, are getting fed up with the government's attitude of, oh, this is secret, oh, this is national security. Uh, but I, I see that not many people have been privy to the documents that have been made public uh, uh, regarding the FBI admitting, you know, and, and the Office of Inspector General saying, FBI sends nominations to the terrorist screening center and don't FBI bill offices and don't comply with agency regulation. There is nothing more outrageous than that. And nobody is looking at that. And we are going to give the court the opportunity because the district court didn't even want to take judicial notice of that. But I am absolutely certain that, that this, you know, since the review is the novel means complete review of what was in, in the district court, I am sure that, that the Fifth Circuit will want to hear that FBI doesn't even comply with its own regulations uh, and when nominating people there. So that's basically... Um, that's basically, I'm just preparing. I'm just working real hard. I have one TI helping me put the names, uh, the names of all the people that have um, uh, sent their questionnaire uh, because, you know, I have to submit it to the court as a conflict, you know, just think for the conflict check of interest check. Uh, so we're doing that. Uh, and there's, there's just a, many other cases down the line. It's not just this. I just want... I just want people to know that we're working really hard. This is not the only case. Many will come down the line. I am very hopeful that people, people have to understand that their initiative regarding the letters to the directors of the cell tower owners and operators is a huge, important effort for us because it tells these people, it's not just Ana Toledo doing this fight. No, it's a huge empowered community that demands the de-weaponization of these towers. There is no need for these microwave beams to be, for these towers to be equipped with microwave beam producing chips. It's a torture weapon and we have to demand that they de-weaponize, de mitigate damages and de-weaponize. So please continue with that effort uh, that uh, Goji is doing, uh, uh, put all the sample letters and everything. Please don't make false representations that you are writing on behalf of targeted justice. Make it, you know, it's my property and, and you know, nothing is gonna happen to you, it's your right. Um, but but it, we, we need to be very careful uh, so that we don't lose credibility. None of us, neither TIs nor targeted justice. So um, I really thank those of you that have already done it. And, and I think we are unstoppable. We really are. This united community, please be bear in mind, the criminals are trying to separate this unity we have achieved never before, unprecedented. Don't let them do it. Don't let them uh, plant seeds of doubt or, or 
a, you know, a division because, because that's what they're so afraid. They never imagined, they never thought we were going to attain this level of unity and it has to continue helping each other and, and, um, and, and all of us contributing to this cause. Len? Wow, what a message. Uh, I'd like to break it down for our viewers just to uh, summarize it. Uh, yes, there is a smear campaign. There's a defamation campaign about targeted, uh, targeted justice, about Anna Toledo, about Len Bear, about Richard Lighthouse, in any way possible. And we just need to acknowledge it and, and act accordingly. It is to be dismissed and uh, we shouldn't be paying attention to it because it's a distraction. Uh, the second message was about the cell towers. Yes, it's a very important project that we engage in with we'll have a separate show with we'll look at every aspect of uh this business uh this most of these public uh companies are public and uh we'll have to do some interesting things and we will share our plans with you there will be a separate show dedicated to it and finally what you said about your uh, uh, legal research. Oh my God. Uh, if you are not impressed with the depth of investigation and, and, and knowledge and the intricacies of what Toledo is discovering, you need to check your pulse <laughs> because this is, um, this is our fight and we are 110% serious about it. So Thank you, Anna. The next thing I want to do is uh, talk about one of your tweets. You're active on Twitter, Anna, and, and that's great because people see you, people see your uh, uh, reaction in, in, in real time. It, it just really connects you with the community and people appreciate it. And a few days ago, I saw a tweet from you, Anna, in which you summarize very concisely which rights of ours are not being honored. So I have prepared some slides based on the tweet. Uh, folks, our rights originate and go back to uh, as far as Magna Carta at 13th century. And our U.S. Bill of Rights, uh, which is the first 10 articles of the Constitution, was approved by Congress in 1789, a document that you can actually go and see for yourself on display at the National Archives in Washington, D.C. I liked your tweet because we TIs are sometimes so consumed by the enormity of the situation that we cannot articulate why this is wrong and which specific rights of ours are being violated. I'll give you an example that, that I used before, and you talk about it as well, but I think you have a slightly different take on it. When people ask us why it is happening to you, most TIs are falling into this trap and start going through their memories, cataloging what they could have done wrong, but this is not necessary. 
What do you mean why? If you did something illegal, you would have been presented with accusation. And the only way you could have been punished is after you had your day in court. I don't need to think about what I could have done wrong. As an American, I know that due process clause enshrined in the fifth and the 14th amendments of our constitution applies to me, period. This kind of knowledge should empower us so we would regain the ability to control the narrative instead of somewhat passively um, responding to the narrative forced upon us. With that in mind, allow me to dissect your tweet, and I would like you to expand on the examples you give. Uh, so let's see the slides. So there we go. The theme of your uh, tweet was, our rights are not honored. And so let's go into the details. Uh, let's see which rights. Uh, 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 you're talking about, and let's give this information to targeted individuals in digestible and usable form. The first right, um, which is a violation of the First Amendment to the Constitution, was the fact that our petition to redress was denied. And here's the text of the First Amendment. In uh, the part that I highlight um, talks about the right of the people peacefully to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. Please expand, Anna. Okay. Well, it, it's, it's, that's twofold. As you, as you know, um, as you mentioned before, that we shouldn't um, question ourselves why we're here, why we're in this list, on this list. But the truth is that one of the reasons why many people are placed on the list is because they exert their uh, First Amendment right to a, a freedom of expression and to the, and particularly the, and denounce things of public interest a, about corruption or about things that are just simply wrong. There are so many uh, TIs that I have talked to that um, were placed on the list by powerful entities just because they now they denounced something that was very wrong. Uh, and then the petition for redress is, is a, the right every American has to go to a court of law and demand um, the redress, you know, that something that is wrong be um, a, ordered by the court to be fixed. Right, it is in simple terms, right? Um, because it could also be with an agency, uh, a, a, any 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 entity that has the legal power to um, adjudicate facts and and, and in and uh, impose a remedy, implement a remedy uh, under the law. And so that's why we, you know, that's why you don't take justice into your ha own hands. Instead, you go to the courts to have the courts interpret the law. And that's exactly what we did. Um, in the process of this appeal, I am uh, doing the research of how many TI cases have been dismissed. They have been denied their petition uh, for redress of grievances. And it's true, many of them didn't have perhaps the focus because they couldn't find an attorney. Most of them are pro se. 
and they went to the court to denounce this. See, you cannot make this up. As we as TIs know that the series of things as fantastical and bizarre as they sound, you cannot make this up. Okay, so in the course of the of the research, I have found hundreds of cases that have been dismissed by federal courts, many and state courts, but many of them, most of them, are not even reported. It's just, it's like an open secret, and um, you know, three hundred people cannot be making the same story up. It's like I put, you know, the 18 plaintiffs and they are all being denied after a while. Maybe the first 10 cases, yes, it was fantastical. But when the courts are getting 300 of the same cases, you know, there's something really eerie and wrong going on. And still these people get their cases de de um, dismissed on technicalities. Most of these people are not even attorneys. So it's very hard to combat, um, you know, the most powerful law firm in the world, which is the Department of Justice. So that's that's where, you know, the, our rights in petition, many TIs also have legal cases where even though the facts and the law are on their side, somehow the result of the case doesn't turn out to be favorable for them. And that's a denial of their right to petition for redress. And we know that goes on constantly and has gone on for a long, long time. So um, that's the First Amendment is the most important. I see it as the most important. It's, it's the bedrock of democracy and TIs cannot count on, on it being honored for them. Then. I, I understand exactly what you said. I agree. This is the fundamental right that we cannot abandon and we cannot be denied. The next violation of our rights is related to the Fourth Amendment and its unreasonable searches and seizures. And the point that you're making is that we are subjected, we TIs are subjected to unreasonable searches and seizures of our things and brain. That's a novel concept. Please expand. Yeah, well, uh, the, as we know, the rogue agencies behind this program, uh, either their agents or vigilantes they get through fusion centers, come into the houses of tar targeted individuals with or without warrants. There is such a thing, and look it up in Wikipedia, called sneak and peep. And they just think they have the right to, to come into your house, shift things around. You know, it, it, all of us know that. It will do things to you be, uh, while you're asleep. Uh, and uh, that's another seizure of, of, you know, of your person, of your things, of your person, of your reputation. Uh, the, the Fourth Amendment here, I think it's the most crucial. And that's why. Uh, we sued in their individual capacity, the protagonists of this program, because first of all, uh, through the Fusion Center, they authorized entering and breaking into the houses, uh, stealing things, breaking things. Then we have uh, the fact that targeted individuals are included in a terrorist database that is given away to 18,000 law enforcement, over 530,000 
five corporations, 33, uh, 1,440 organizations. And they basically, it's a, it's a seizure of the reputation and privacy of a person because they are spreading misinformation about innocent Americans that don't meet the terrorist criteria. Then we have the brain seizure, which is these people come into our brains, they read our thoughts, and this is not fantastical. This is a patented uh, remote neural monitoring has a patent. And everybody is freely talking about it now on Twitter and the internet as if, you know, nothing to see here. Since we filed this lawsuit, they are trying to make it mainstream and normal to talk about about these things and 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 uh and and yes they do not only steal our intellectual property because a lot of the electronic hacking carried out to our computers is stealing our intellectual product the 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 because you know what these these criminals because that's what they are um they cannot stand the sheer genius and intelligence of most targeted individuals, their creativity. They cannot stand it because they're so jealous of it, you know? And so they steal your intellectual property and they go into your head and mess with your dreams and mess with your thoughts. And, um, you know, some can handle it better than others, but that is, I think that is the most outrageous um violation of the fourth amendment and when that gets to court one day because it will get to court uh and the and the and the characters doing this uh perpetrating these crimes without i cannot imagine a court issuing a warrant for shrievers air force base people space force to actually go into your mind into your thoughts and invade them i cannot imagine an article three court doing that and that's exactly what they're doing without a warrant. And so Fourth Amendment, to me, first and Fourth Amendment, well, the other ones too, but that's, I could stay all day talking about how they violate the Fourth Amendment with absolute impunity and continue doing it. My work product, my attorney-client privilege communications, all of the emails, all of the phone conversations, for all of that, they're supposed to have an Article Three court warrant because you're supposed to have probable cause against an American citizen and go to a court and with a sworn statement, obtain a warrant. Yet these people continue to do it with absolute impunity. Glenn. Yes, this is so mind boggling. I like your explanation, the sneak and peek, the, uh, the comment to your uh, uh, places of residence shift things around soil things and and it's done for the purpose of intimidation they don't really they rarely steal anything because that uh, you can uh, complain about it to to the police but if things are moved or if things are soiled that that all that would make people uncomfortable to complain to the police and the police will will would not take this uh, uh, seriously, probably because if nothing is stolen, what are you complaining about? But the same thing is happening to your brain. They come in and shift things around, and there is nothing more sacred saint than the your brain because it's it's a part of you as a person, and it's also 
it, and it changes your personality, your uh, your thoughts, your reflexes, your uh, communication. They intervene with your brain, and that is unacceptable. There are some public in intellectuals that are uh, working on this problem, but even they do not have the whole picture, the intrusiveness of it, the degree of this intrusion. They just simply don't know. And so most of them simply talk about mental privacy. When we when we really been deprived our mental liberty, because if you are incapacitated by a directed energy attack, you are literally deprived of your liberty and freedom to move and function and, and think. So excellent point. Uh, let's go to the next slide. It's a due process. We are denied due process. Um, uh, you said it's a violation of Fifth and Sixth Amendment. And I put the text of the Fifth Amendment on this slide and the Sixth on the Second. So as far as the Fifth Amendment, uh, Amendment I highlighted, no person shall be held to answer for a capital or otherwise infamous crime unless on the presentation... Oh, unless on the presentment of indictment of grand jury. Did I highlight the, the correct part, Anna? Yeah, that's where that's where the presumption of innocence derives from, uh, you know, presumed innocent. Uh, in the case of TIs, they're not presumed innocent because they're already placed without so much an, as an accusation as the constitution de demands, they are secretly silently and permanently placed on this list without so much of us as a notice and that's why um and, and and when you think of the repercussions your reputation is stolen from you without you even knowing it people you know they, they go around destroying your reputation and that is one of the most precious even if it's non-tangible properties but you know assets you have you you work all your life for your for your reputation to be an honorable person to do things right and these people just take it like that and steal it without any consequence without paying for it that's one of the other violations you know your right to privacy to your reputation to living you know in peace uh, so the 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 fifth amendment is is what they call substantive due process which is the the things that constitute your property including a non-tangible property a like intellectual property well it's taken from you without just compensation or the due process of law and uh and that's and that's completely uh, un-American, and and it's completely illegal. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Uh, let's go to the next slide. Um, the part of the Sixth Amendment that I highlighted uh, here is that um, the accused shall enjoy the right to a speedy and public trial by an impartial jury. Uh, please comment, Anna. 
Well, what what why I believe the Sixth Amendment get comes into play here is because you have a, that you have to be informed of the nature and cause of the accusation to be confronted with the witnesses against him and to have compulsory process for obtaining a uh, there okay for obtaining uh, witnesses in his favors and to have the assistance of counsel. Uh, the way the secret means by which people are placed on this list is a completely violative of the due process because these are people that don't they don't have probable cause to accuse them of any crimes yet they put them on this on this secret list that is spread out that hundreds of thousands of people get to see it when you when you realize you know the the employees of each corporation or that have the security clearance get to see it okay so so you have um you are accused secretly you're placed on this mccarthy list secretly you are defamed secretly and you cannot even confront the person that nominated you to that list and prove that the reasons by, by which they put you in there are fake and falsified or or, or created you know uh, when, when you think of it most most people on the list it is the people that accuse them and put them on the list who should be accused and convicted of crimes because a lot of targeted individuals what they are are whistleblowers so what the system what the fbi is doing is protect is actually protecting criminals from these whistleblowers that wanted to denounce corruption going on that wanted to denounce something was wrong and and so the system is upside down and and then the people that are the righteous people that have a right to confront the evidence against them in this secret kangaroo process it, it doesn't ever materialize because you know what the even the most basic violation of this process is that when you send a privacy act request to to ask if you're on the list they answer back we cannot confirm or deny that you're on this list they don't even have the courage to tell you yeah we secretly place you on this list uh, to torture you for life because that's what it is and so um this this due process is what they call the sixth amendment is about procedural due process about an american's right to defend their presumption of innocence and confront the witnesses against them and confront the evidence against them and the reason they don't do it is because they know it's fake they know it's fabricated and it would not stand in a court of law that's why they go to the fisa court to obtain warrants against americans that they shouldn't and it's illegal because an article three court would deny them warrants to be hacking and doing surveillance of our of our computers and our phones um they go to the fisa court where fisa court has been even fbi admitted 200,000 a, a fisa warrants that were illegal admitted by christopher ray so and that's in a news article i'm not making that up so uh what we're talking here is that they are circumventing the law that protects american citizens and that has got to stop Lynn. Understood, Anna. And, and I'm learning so much from you. I, I 
now I see where uh, where the portion of the Sixth Amendment that that you actually meant. And and thank you for this correction. And I hope that the targeted individuals are going through the same learning curve curve that I'm going through because it will empower you. The conversation will shift from. But why is it happening to you? Why? What's so special about you? Instead of these are the rights that have been violated. These are the rights of mine as an American that have been violated. And you can be articulate and specific about it. So thank you for that. Anna. Let me add to that one thing. And it's the criminal entrapment. We know a lot of targeted individuals have been entrapped into crimes either because they were remote neuron monitor to committing them or they were just in the wrong place at the wrong time and they fabricated against a case against them. This is why I am insisting that all targeted individuals that are undergoing criminal procedures, even if they are state procedures, they demand as part of their Sixth Amendment right to confront the evidence against them because it can be a defense that they were entrapped they demand to see their FBI or Terry Screening Center number because I am absolutely certain that half of the TIs in jails were entrapped. And this has got to stop because freedom is the most basic human rights we have. And a lot of TIs, my heart goes out to them that they don't even have like a little water bag to protect themselves from the directed energy attacks. A lot of TIs have been entrapped. They have had drugs planted in their cars. Uh, you know, we you name it. They have to demand, especially if it's a state case, their FBI number, because that means they're in the T on the TSDB. They have never been told, and they were probably entrapped. Uh, I understand. Just that information alone, just that practical advice to demand your status on TSDB could make a lot of difference to a lot of people in the real world. So targeted individuals, I hope we empowering you with this message. I hope we are making a difference. And uh, next um, rights uh, that has been violated is that we are subjected to cruel and unusual punishment. And this is a violation of the Eighth Amendment, which reads, excessive bail shall not be required, nor excessive fines imposed, nor cruel and unusual punishment inflicted. Please comment, Anna. Well, this one goes hand in hand with the Sixth Amendment that you sh you cannot be um, sentenced to uh, you know uh, uh, you cannot be sentenced without due process, right? Without confronting your witness before being able to present evidence. So now we know that targeted individuals are placed on this list permanently for life uh, condemned to a life of torture which is what this comes in because the cruel and initial punishment parts from the it's, it stems from the premise that it is after you were granted due process in a criminal case that you cannot be subjected to cruel and unusual punishment as part of your sentence but 
in the case of targeted individuals that have never been even convicted of any crime, well, the cruel and unusual punishment, they, it jumps you know, the hurdle of the sentencing. And what is done to targeted individuals would not even be allowed it to be done to a person that was accused, went through a trial and convicted of a crime because what, the, what they do is actual torture. And I mean, you know it more, more than anyone, you know, that, that um, what they, it, 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 I cannot fathom that a normal human being conceived of this program. Whoever, it, it, it's got to be the king of psychopaths in, in the United States, because this is the United States programs that created this heinous program. And, and, and I have to make a parenthesis here, like I've always honored the people that have B2K, because I know it can be really debilitating. And uh, I have very close to my heart, a ATI that um, on the day that the decision came out, um, eh, yeah, he overdosed and, and was um, and was um, in a in a mental hospital for a, for a while. And I just have to say, and th that's important. You know, the, the courts and the judges uh, need to understand that these are lives we're dealing with here, and um, it the cruelty, the sheer cruelty of these criminals carrying out the B two K and sleep depriving people because we know it is a CIA torture tactic to sleep deprive people and they do it with the remote neural monitoring as you know. Uh, I just want to say to all of you out there, I know it's hard, I'm fighting hard, I'm working it, uh, day and night for this. Uh, and if I didn't believe that uh, we will see the light and that we will be free, I wouldn't tell you because if things went as they should, I know that we are going to prevail because the law is on our side and the constitution is on our side. And, and you might say, oh, well, it's so easy for you to say, you don't know what I'm going through, but we, we all have our own um, luggage that we're going through. So um, I, I just want um, to say, I know the physical torture which is in violation of the cruel and unusual punishment of somebody who is innocent, has never even been accused of a crime. I know it's outrageous, uh, but I just pray that you have the strength to hold on and stay strong because we need you. We need every single targeted individual to tell their story one day in court and, and have justice. Um, and, and if for anything, I am just um, asking you, please stay strong because uh, the, the, the criminals that are doing this, um, they have, you know, it, it is my goal to put them in jail one day. You know, it, it is a shame that the government is defending and protecting uh, these criminals in the sense that they, uh, you know, it's like there's nothing happening here, but but truth will come out and justice will be served. So please hold on, please pray and and just just derive the strength from 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 within, please, because you every single one of you is really important. Uh, you have come this far, 
you have come this far, you have endured so much. Uh, it's it's a matter of months before we, I think, before we see freedom. Uh, so it's just a little bit more sacrifice and, and just that's what I have to say about that. Anna, your compassion, your passion, your empathy comes through so clear and strong. And I cannot imagine anybody watching you speak about it, not getting emotional response. This is by any measure is beyond inhumane. And what comes to my mind when I read your tweet and, and, and we went over the Eighth Amendment, I would like to have a conversation with the judge in Houston who dismissed our case and say, what you call fantastical is called cruel. And what you call bizarre is called unusual in our constitution. So with that, we have one more uh, point. This is the final uh, um, a point that we want to make. There's no equality, that the laws don't equally apply to targeted individuals. And it's a clear violation of the 14th Amendment. The 14th Amendment has five sections, and I think the first section is most applicable. Uh, and the part I highlighted is no state shall uh, make and enforce any law which shall abridge the privileges or immunities of citizens of the United States, nor shall any state deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without due process of law, nor deny to any person within its jurisdiction the equal protection of the laws. Anna? Please. I mean, this is this is so full. I mean, it, it, for targeted individuals, it's just so many things apply. But I'm just going to talk about two things. Number one, the Baker Act and the wellness checks. You have police that come into your house to do a wellness check. And the real purpose of it is to deprive you of your liberty without due process, without reading your, your rights. OK, and that's why. Targeted Justice wrote a newsletter saying, don't, police comes to your house, you don't have to open unless they have a warrant. Otherwise, you have nothing to talk to them because right now the police is being, most police is are being accessory to this program, okay? And it, the same happens, for example, with, a, I, I, I mentioned this um, this week, one of our one of our plaintiffs, she was going to undergo surgery. We went in there and uh, delivered a letter for her to deliver to her doctors that we're going to do an exploratory surgery. That in in my language is to implant her, and so they finally they just did an endoscopy and they didn't open her up. And and to me that was a huge triumph because we we brought her a letter the night before saying I do not consent to the placement of any implants in my body. And if the, if I find something, you're, it's gonna be you who's gonna be liable, you know, 
and and we signed the letter with a witness and and so luckily they didn't do any surgery on her they just did the endoscopy and you know the reason i'm saying that is because on a normal procedure a hospital would not dare carry out a procedure against anyone unless they were a targeted individual that they didn't consent to okay you have epa you have all these laws that protect this, the, the sanctity of your body, but they don't apply to targeted individuals, as we know. Uh, and so um, in, in, the, in the processing of judicial cases, in the processing of complaints, I filed a complaint, for example, when my uh, computer was hacked, of course, nobody, nobody paid attention. Whereas if it was a non-targeted individual, they would get the deference and the attention from law enforcement. So basically uh, what, what we have here is that there are statutes that protect citizens from abuses, from illegal, you know, from crimes, but those statutes are not enforced when it comes to targeted individuals. You know, they can do atrocious things to you and nobody is going to enforce the laws to protect you. And we, every, each one of us has an example of that. Uh, so, uh, you know, it, it, that's why I say the Bill of Rights Constitution doesn't apply. I didn't, you know, maybe some people misconstrued it, but what I wanted to, to, to mean is that even though they're supposed to protect us, and if they did protect us, this program would not be happening. If the Constitution was enforced as it pertains to targeted individuals, this program wouldn't have started in, to begin with, because it's it's an absolute violation of all constitutional precepts I can think of. And there you have it. I want people to change the way they think about targeted individuals. Most people when they hear the term targeted individuals they say oh well this these are most likely mentally disturbed people who found each other online and they latched onto each uh, um, other stories and they reinforce it i want people to think about targeted individuals as second-class citizens and that my friend will change the conversation and we the the movement that we're seeing the, the movement for our liberation that we are a part of will be victorious one day thank you anna for all for your legal expertise uh for your personal stories for we we couldn't have done it without you you are the centerpiece piece. You're the linchpin in our legal fight. Thank you, Anna. Welcome. Welcome. And now, as I promised in the second part of our show, uh, I will speak about my recent visit to Miami, Florida, when I saw where I saw uh, Dr. Hoffer. I prepared some slides. I know that the targeted uh, individual community has had a uh, a complicated relationship with Dr. Hoffer, and I hope I will clear up some questions. 
so while I'm showing the slides, Anna, I would like you to be my sounding board and uh, please feel free to interrupt and ask any questions uh, because people will probably have some questions and I would like you, uh, I would like it to be interactive. So okay. let me share the slides. Uh, so there we go. Um, I prepared slides and I called this segment, my second trip to the belly of the beast also known as the Department of Auto Neurology at the University of Miami. Of course, this is, uh, I'm joking because uh, a lot of targeted individuals really have mixed feelings about um, Dr. Hoffer, what he's doing, um, their trips to Miami. Some, some people were successful, some people were not. I'm here to tell about my experience. It's been three years since my diagnosis of Havana syndrome. So Havana syndrome in, in, in quotation mark, because really this is, this is a term uh, that requires some evolution and we need to arrive to the right um, name for this uh, condition. Uh, the first time I visited Dr. Hoffer was in June of 2020, so three years ago. When I was diagnosed with acquired neurosensory dysfunction due to directed energy exposure. And this is the same diagnosis received by 25 U.S. Embassy personnel uh, returning from Cuba. The validity of this diagnosis if in these 25 individuals was never challenged by the intelligence report. The diagnosis was based on the unique constellation of signs, symptoms, the severity of vestibular abnormalities constituting physical damage to the uh, organs of equilibrium or to the brain, ocular motor changes and characteristic cognitive changes. Uh, I understand that there is no treatment for Havana syndrome, in fact, we spoke about it and, and he agreed with my stance that treatment for ongoing Havana syndrome is not medical. I wrote a substack just about that. But my main reason for this visit was because, because I'm going on disability with the diagnosis of Havana syndrome and the insurance company asked me to visit Dr. Hoffer again. Uh, let's talk about the diagnostic criteria uh, that uh, gave me the diagnosis in the first place. Um, the diagnostic criteria are published. Uh, the publication was first available online in November of 2018. Um, as you remember, the uh, Havana syndrome was happening um, uh, mostly uh, during uh, 2017. Uh, in August, they completely uh, evacuated uh, all personnel. So uh, this is about just over a year after after uh, they evacuated uh, uh, all the people. And the article is called Acute Findings in an Acquired Neurosensory Dysfunction. And there's a reason why Dr. Hoffa called it Acquired Neurosensory Dysfunction, because it's he couldn't call it uh, MTBI, mild traumatic brain injury, because it really doesn't fit the criteria for traumatic brain injury. Uh, this is a sort of a visual um, 
um, abstract uh, of the diagnostic algorithm that uh, Dr. Hoffer and his group developed and applied. This is exactly how I was diagnosed. So I don't want to uh, uh, give you too many technical details, but there's some tests that went into the diagnosis of this uh, condition. And the most important uh, were vestibular tests, uh, so-called VAMP tests. It uh, stands for vestibular evoked myogenic potential. It, they measure how certain muscles on your neck or under your eyes respond to specific stimuli and they and that constitutes uh, damage to your vestibular organs or the nerves involved in the uh, vestibular uh, uh, function in in the subjective visual vertical test um, even though it says subjective in the name it is not a subjective test so uh, there are a lot of technicality I don't want to bother you 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 all have access to this article because it's available uh, for free on PubMed and I um, encourage everybody to look at these are my recommendations following my first visit this is an this is a question that I've been very often asked so what Dr. Hoffer after diagnosing me with this condition he recommended two things one is vestibular rehab, which I tried twice with no avail, with no improvement. I was even uh, asked not to come to rehabilitation sessions because my attacks were ongoing. So as I would make some progress during the vestibular rehab session, the next time I would come, would be right after an attack and I was getting worse. So it was like one step ahead, two step backwards, uh, or in the in the uh, words of Amy Winehouse, they wanted <laughs> they wanted me to go to the rehab, but I said, no, no, no. I tried it, it doesn't work. And um Dr. Hoffer understands it and he accepted this information. And the second recommendation was not really medical. He asked me to contact Dr. Giordano of Georgetown University in Washington, D.C. He is a, a world-renowned neuroweapon expert in neuropathology, a neuropathologist, professor of, neuro, uh, professor of uh, neuropathology and um, uh, part of the bioethics uh, um, um, institute in DC, and he was instrumental in uh, in the research of um, in the in the in the investigation of the actual Havana syndrome. So I was given a formal referral to Dr. Giordano. He validated my diagnosis and forwarded it uh, to the Department of Defense twice, and nothing. That's that's what I was going to ask you. Uh, how long ago was that? I guess 2020. And then did you get any communication from DOD? I mean, anything from them? 
No, absolutely nothing. And and I reminded Dr. Giordano and he said, well, I will send again, re-rattle the chain, but it's a bureaucracy. He said, eventually they will get back to you. They never did. Uh, yeah, let me let me ask you this. If I don't know if if he obviously if he can share this with you because the patient you know because of the privacy of the patients. But do you know if the Havana the first twenty five Havana syndrome patients continue to receive directed energy attacks or not? This is not clear. None of the interviews that had these uh, patients directly asked that question. But so my intuition by the way certain people describe their progression is that they were uh, domestic attacks after they received especially um one patient in particular uh he received directed energy attacks in china and he said on uh, camera during uh, one of the interviews um that when he was in pittsburgh receiving treatment uh, or re rehabilitation for, for this condition, he was attacked and his family was attacked. Then they moved to the hotel and they were attacked there. So yes, there are reports of domestic attacks after um, employees of the government were attacked in the foreign land, uh, but the government does not recognize any domestic attacks, neither for uh, federal employees nor civilians. Uh, once again, we're just a second-class citizen. Yeah. yeah, but okay, so you were the first civilian to be diagnosed with Havana syndrome. Since that moment to the present, do you have an idea how many more civilians, not FBI, because I, I know FBI Miami has a problem with Havana syndrome too, but how many civilians have been diagnosed by Dr. Hoff for having Havana syndrome? Both the first time when I visited Dr. Hoffer and and this this week um, when I visited him, Dr. Hoffer once again emphasized that yes, there are other civilians that he diagnosed with Havana syndrome. Um, most of them are on the East Coast. He didn't give me the number. He obviously could not give me uh, their names. But even the first time when I visited him, he said, yes, there are other civilians diagnosed. And I've been searching for them. Um, and I couldn't, I couldn't find anybody. And uh, my guess is that they uh, decided to um, keep their cases out of the um, public eye. Yeah, because they don't they don't want to be called crazy. So um, I, I can totally understand. That's why uh, one of the campaigns I want to initiate is come out of the targeted closet, uh, because uh, you know we know people like Ben Morrison and like um, Roseanne Barr are targeted individuals. There's many more famous, powerful, influential people that are targeted. And we, we have to make this campaign come out of the targeted closet uh, because it, it will only then make it real for people that, that don't believe about this, these atrocities. 
Correct. But this is a deeply personal decision. Um, yeah. I I decided to go public. I opened up my medical case, my private life. This is I I thought that transparency is the way to go because only through complete transparency we can we can achieve uh, uh, complete recognition. And so uh, that's my personal decision. Uh, not everybody is uh, um, is is ready to sign up uh, on this decision. I, I hear you, I hear you, but it's uh, our our country and future generations demand that people come forth like the whistleblowers and uh, and start denouncing what's wrong. They have to stop being afraid about oh you know, what could happen, because otherwise we'll never end with this monstrosity. I agree with you, Anna. Let's continue our uh, presentation. Um, what's, um, uh, this has been flying a little bit under the radar. So, so everybody's familiar with the 2018 um, acquired neurosensory dysfunction article by, by Dr. Hoffer, but this article, uh, has been uh, known a little bit less. It was published in uh, uh, 2020, and it was done uh, also by Michael Hoffer in collaboration with uh, Professor Balaband, who is with the University of Pittsburgh. Uh, and he created a computerized goggle test, and he measured convergence eye movement in uh, patients with Havana syndrome, acquired neurosensory dysfunction, and in patients with traumatic brain injury. And I want you, I want to share an abstract with you. The most important part I, I uh, underline, uh, and you can see so that this test uh, was able to um, differentiate between the subject with uh, Havana syndrome and subject with uh, mild traumatic brain injury with the accuracy of 91%, which is extremely high. Um, and, it's a, and it's a test that was published, that was utilized. I wasn't given that test, but um, I was given the new iteration of this goggle test. So ever since, since 2020, it has been improved and it is available at Dr. Hoffer's office. It was, a, it's been expanded. Uh, it now combines uh, and expands on the ocular, ocular model findings of the 2020 test. It includes vestibular measurements. It includes additional neurosensory assessment. And it's just a more comprehensive test. And the beauty of it is that it's objective. The results are generated by computer program, thus eliminating subjectivity of the person conducting the test. And because the computerized test, it's also more sensitive. So it can find things that a person could not detect. So that, that means that that can be rolled out to doctors throughout the nation that don't necessarily have Dr. Hoffer's specialty, right? And, but they're neurologists or, or I don't know what 
his specialty is, excuse my ignorance, but that they, with this test, since it's objective and it's computerized, it could carry out the same diagnosis. Is that what you're saying? Yes, that's what I'm saying. That's what Dr. Hoffer is working on it uh, on. So he is in the process of validating this case. So I, he actually, uh, he was glad that I came to see him because me having a diagnosis and then running through this computerized test, it is another data point to validate uh, this method to perhaps uh, gain FDA approval and roll it out to other doctors. The specialty, the spe Dr. Hoffer's specialty is auto-neurology. Uh, sometimes they, they're called dizziness specialists. So they, they uh, work in the area of um, uh, inner ear and, and um, 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 just, just with a, with a, uh, uh, like a, like a laryngologist, um, like auto laryngologist, but with emphasis on neurology. So that's the specialty, auto neurologist, but a regular neurologist can do it and a dizziness specialist can do it. But right now the test is still being validated, but he's hoping to roll it out to uh, a more general, um, 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 neurological community. Uh, my original diagnosis was confirmed. Uh, we had a little time to discuss uh, the diagnostic challenges of this uh, condition. Um, what Dr. Hoffer told me is that there's a glaring hole in the current uh, international classification of uh, diseases called ICD-10 because there is no nosological module. It means there's no diagnosis for non-kinetic brain injury because this is what it is. The, the, the injury with uh, directed energy is considered non-kinetic. While MTBI, a mild traumatic brain, in, brain injury is synonymous with concussion or even uh, a blunt mechanical trauma, um, by an object or projectile and or or synonymous with a blast but even with a blast from an explosion this is a form of kinetic injury because something is moving a projectile a a a, a ball a a baseball bat or air in in the case of uh, um uh, blast of a blast it is considered a kinetic brain injury but the non-kinetic uh, injury is when no projectile is moving it's only the energy is moving and so so there's no diagnosis for non-kinetic brain injury so a doctor can diagnose you with sort of complication or sequelae of um, this type of brain injury it could be traumatic encephalopathy or vestibular damage or cognitive impairment, but there's no diagnosis to attach these complications to, and that's a problem. The government wants us to call this anomalous health incidents or AHI, and we had a good laugh about it. This is not a diagnosis, it's just an event. It would be like calling a thunderstorm a medical diagnosis. 
I, I hope you get my analogy. Yeah. Uh, in military medicine, however, brain injury due to directed energy is known as UBI, unconventionally acquired brain injury. But there is no analog in the civil medicine. So we desperately need recognition of NKBI, non-kinetic brain injury, and its placement in ICD uh, as soon as possible. And that would be a huge step in the right direction. So it's it's recognized for soldiers, but it's not recognized for civilians. That's what you, you, that, that is. You are correct, Anna. And, and this is inconceivable. Uh, so uh, just like it's inconceivable that the government would uh, uh, the uh, Congress uh, would pass Havana Act and the Biden would, would sign Havana Act uh, for this neurological damage. Um, but it only applies to the uh, employees of the State Department and the CIA. It's like it's like a, a disease or, or an injury can only happen in this particular uh, cohorts of individuals. This, this is this is just laughable. It's and ridiculous. That, it's it ridiculous, ridiculous. But the most ridiculous thing is that they recognize that directed energy weapons carry out, perform, inflict this kind of injury, right? Because that's why military people can are susceptible to having it. Yet what is ridiculous is that they don't want to recognize it in the civilians because it is illegal for the United States Space Force to be firing directed energy weapons at its citizens. And that's why they don't want to recognize it because they don't want to admit that they are doing this to their own people because it's highly illegal. You got it exactly right, Anna. Now I would like to play after was everything was all and done. I had an opportunity to give uh, um, Dr. Hoffer uh, a T-shirt uh, with the with our podcast, Target Justice v. Garland, and I asked him if it would be okay for me to record uh, him receiving uh, the T-shirt and the card, which you and I actually wrote because I when I said I'm gonna give. Dr. Hoffer, a, a, a t-shirt and a thank you card. And you, Anna, came up with such excellent language. So I want to give credit to you because I used it without any changes. And so you can hear your message from Dr. Hoffer's mouth. Let's play the video. Okay. All right. You got it. So I had a pleasure of seeing Len Barr today. He's kind of kind of famous in, the, in this world. And um, uh, while this is not in an endorsement uh, of any of any sort, uh, I want to thank him for the T-shirt. Yeah. Uh, and I want to read the card that 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 he sent to me um, on behalf of the targeted individual community. This is what the card says: I honor your expertise and courage in adhering to your ethical principles. Uh, diagnosing patients uh, with um, unflinching integrity. Your integrity is saving lives best than Burr. And um, I want to, I want to, I want to say, since I'm on this, yeah. that the goal of of everything that that 
hopefully a lot of doctors are going to do is to is to figure out what's going on um in in all the people that are affected and yeah. to make everybody uh who has problems whether it's from this or from other reasons yeah. uh ear problems or, or or balance problems our goal here at university of miami is to make them better thank you doctor thank you very much appreciate it thank you And there you have it there. That's awesome. That's, That's awesome. You, awesome. you wrote a, a great card. I want to, uh, at the end, I want to share uh, where Dr. Ma Michael Hoffer is hiding because a lot of people say, oh, he is not taking appointments from targeted individuals. He's hard to find. It couldn't have been uh, further from the truth. This is the building where uh, I went to. Dr. Michael Hoffer runs a department of autoneurology. This is the address. This is the phone number. So um, in hiding, I don't think so. Uh, Anna, what, what did you think about this? Um, 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 what did you think about my, my visit to Dr. Hoffer? Give us your impression. Well, um... I think it's important that you are making the link between TIs and Dr. Hoffer because I know he doesn't like to talk much. You know, he doesn't, he, he's being careful because you have to walk on eggshells when you, uh, even people that are trying to help us, they have to walk on eggshells because they, the wrath of these people can be unleashed against them. And we don't want that. So I, I think that, you know, it's great. Like you, you know, you go on a very professional stance and I urge people that, that go visit him to not go under rant of, because they did this and this and this and this to me instead, just say, look, this is what I feel. And because if he, if we want him to help the targeted community, they should do like you, not compromise him into taking a stance that, yeah, it's directed energy weapons that they they are firing at you for no, 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 no. He's just he's just a doctor to diagnose a condition, and he cannot go into who's doing it or or why. So bear that in mind because um, I think he has integrity, and and he can be key in. Um, in bringing an end to to this uh, torture because they cannot question his conclusions because he is the top notch in the field. So they cannot say, nah, you know, you're, you, what you're saying is not valid. Um, and we need his testimony. We need his, his, his uh, knowledge and experience and documentation of these cases in order to document what has happened with targeted individuals so i really urge people that go see him to do so in such a professional just you know listen not talk listen to what he has to say that's just my my you know um my my advice and i'm so grateful to you to explain to to explain to people this because because we need to know we need to know um how this is diagnosed. So I, I thank you. I thank you so much for that. Thank you, Anna. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Uh, we're coming up to the end of the show. Uh, I think um, 
as much as it was interesting to talk about Dr. Hoffer, I think I'm going to call the show Second Class Citizens. No longer must we endure the operation of our basic rights. This is the fight that can only end in our vindication. And as far as Dr. Hoffer is concerned, I want you to know how much I respect him as a professional, as a man, as a human being. If you think he should be doing more, ask yourself why you are not doing more. Dr. Hoffer is running a busy department and is trying to help us targeted individuals. Even he doesn't fully understand the term or the intricacies of our experience, but his clinical and diagnostic contribution is invaluable to us. And he's trying hard to fix the problem with diagnosing non-kinetic brain injury, even if he cannot stop directed energy attacks. Please be respectful to this remarkable individual and a talented, extremely smart physician, physician who is doing his best to help our situation. I believe in my heart, in my mind, and in my soul, we shall be victorious. Until then, we will be here every Sunday. Rain or shine.